No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and the doctor is in the house, but we're going to have an unusual show today. So if you have a question, you can either text 615-367-0819, or you can just email friday at drfriday.com. Phone lines are down, so we won't be able to take your calls directly, but again, throughout the day, I will give throughout the hour, I will give out those phone numbers and emails so that you can, if you have questions, even if they don't make it on the air, I will do my best to make sure that you get the answers that you need to make good tax decisions, because that's what this show is all about. As an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service, what we are trained to do and what I have tested for 20 plus years is to make sure that people have the information at their fingers to make good decisions. Because sometimes one decision sounds really good. Oh, I should pay off my house. Oh, shoot. Now I owe taxes on the money I took out of my retirement account or things like that. Sometimes one hand doesn't always go with the other. So making the right decisions with the right tools is what I want to be able to give people. Because normally I can't go backwards and say, well, if you had, you should have. That really doesn't help anyone, to be quite honest. But if it is, then I want to make sure you have the information now to make the decisions, especially now. We are in the middle of something that many of us have never dealt with in the past. And so one of the big questions I've had, we're going to start the show out with today, is self-employed individuals. So under most situations, for example, my business is a corporation. I can't go get unemployment under my corporation. The employees that worked for me, if for some reason they weren't able to continue working, may have been able to apply. We've been blessed, and that hasn't happened. But as a a self-employed, a 1099 person, many people applied for both the PPP program and unemployment. And so now they have the money on both, which means you've been paid twice for your time, right? Because if you went and got unemployment – and maybe it didn't cover your full income you normally have. It doesn't make a difference. It was covering, you were saying you were unemployed during that time. The unemployment kicked in. But at the same time, you applied for what we refer to as PPP loans. Um, and that is also supposed to be 2.5% of your income. And you had them at the same time. You cannot push the PPP out saying, well, once unemployment ends, I'm going to use the PPP money to pay me. It will no longer be forgiven. And kind of what you've done is double dip on the same amount of salary. So you've been been paid for the same time twice. So they're really, really looking at this. Um, Now, many people have not gone into the forgiveness yet. Um, Some have. And if you've went in under the PPP and did the forgiveness um, and got forgiven on the PPP, but you also took unemployment, you will have um, at some point, they're saying that there is going to be a reevaluation and those individuals will be disallowed for forgiveness. Now, if you um, haven't applied for forgiveness yet, you can pay back the PPP or it does turn into a loan at 1%. um, And then depending on your loan, it can be either two years or five years. Um, I believe they've extended it out, but I do, I did hear something on um, an SBA.gov call yesterday that said that if 
you were one of the earlier PPPs, which I don't think a lot of self-employed people got into the first round of it. But if you were one of the earlier ones before they changed the ruling saying that you now have 24 months and five years, um, you need to go back to your lender and ask them to extend to change the information. So if you got your money, uh, like myself, uh, the PPP would have come in at the um, 12, 12 weeks um, after you know, receiving it or whatever it was earlier than the uh, other ones. And many of my clients, we tried to get in there early. So if you did get PPP money and you're self-employed 1099 and you could have hired new employees, you could have used the money to pay those. Now keep in mind that is for employees, not other subcontractors. That is a big misconception. Um, especially in the beginning, I know many people say, well, I have employees, but you if you're 1099 them, they are not legitimate employees. If they are receiving um, a W-2, they are, meaning if you're withholding taxes, then it is a uh, an employee. If you are not withholding taxes, they are contract labor. That person is a, a self-employed in themselves, and you are treating them as a subcontractor to you. So any money that you might have got under the PPP for that person would never be forgiven uh, under the current tax situation for the forgiveness uh, loan. So I'm not saying that you have to physically pay all this money back, but I am saying that if you were looking at getting PPP money and unemployment, you got them both during the same basic period of time or accepting them, don't look to see that money to be forgiven. It is going to turn into a loan at 1% for a period of time. So just you know, put that on the thing. And you can also, again, if you have questions about this and you need more personal definition or you got a direct question, you can email Friday at drfriday.com or you can text 615-367-0819 and I'll be more than glad to hopefully give you a bit more information on that. But it is important to understand we're now going through the forgiveness period on many of the PPP loans and people are a little bit surprised on how that's going to work or who's going to be forgiven and who isn't going to be forgiven. So you really do need to make sure you've done a little bit of research so you understand exactly how that's going to work for you and what you need to do. Okay, so another email, and again, uh, today's show's a little bit crazy. Uh, so if you have a question, I am all here for you. We're going to do this uh, in a unique way. But if you have a question, you can email Friday at drfriday.com, which I do understand is a bit difficult when you're driving a car. Um, or you can, um, you can text 615-367-0819, and we'll take your calls either direction there and try to try to get you so we can get your questions answered. Uh, and again, even if it's not on the show, I will definitely get you uh, the answers to the best of my ability. Okay, so the next question I'm gonna take is taking money out of a retirement for the COVID situation. Um, so back in um, June, when they passed the CARES Act of 2020, it provided significant relief for both business and individuals uh, for the COVID. We all know we got the $1,200. We have the uh, federal unemployment. All these things came under the CARES Act. Another thing that came included in there was for retirement investment affected by the COVID uh, to be able to gain access up to $100,000 of their retirement savings without being subjected to first early withdrawal penalties with the expanded window for paying the income tax over the next two years. So you can pay your taxes. I believe it's actually three years. I think, um, I will get that exact detail, but to, to expand the payroll taxes that you owe. Uh, so 
unfortunately, you just got to be very careful. You don't want to just take money out of that. I mean, this is retirement money, so we're not playing games with it. We do want to make sure that you have um, a reason. So bottom line comes is that they says basically provide significant temporary relief for positive individuals who experience uh, financial con uh, consequences due to the COVID. So maybe you're a business owner or you lost your job. Uh, you're trying to, you know, do what you need to do. Um, so you may want to look at possibly, because normally if you're under, if you're 48 or 49 years old and you take money out of there, you have a 10% penalty plus taxes. So you want to make sure that you don't have any um, situation that goes in with that to to cover what you need to do. But you do want to talk to a professional about this, a professional financial planner, somebody that can help you make the best decisions. As I often say in my show, Sometimes when you start out and you think, oh, this sounds like a great idea. Oh, look at the relief. I can go grab some money out of there. I'll worry about the taxes later. I'm not too keen about people worrying about taxes later because we don't know what later is going to bring. And that could be a, a bigger headache later. But it could also be other ways that you can have access or use the money uh, for a temporary period of time to be able to give you what you need versus taking the money out um, and then also people on required minimum distributions under the same situation. So we call them RMDs, but required minimum distributions, you are not required to have to take money out of your um, retirement. Everyone knows at either 70 or 72, depending on when you started it, uh, there is what's called a required minimum distribution. It comes out of your retirements that you pre-tax, right? So you put money in before taxes. Now, when you hit that age, the government's like, hey, we want our share. You never paid us with that money in the first place. So they're taking the money back. They want their share. You don't have to. And in fact, my understanding is, again, double check this with your financial planner, but you can repay it back into um, the um, into the account. In fact, the same thing. If you borrow over a hundred hundred thousand dollars or less, it says here that you can repay back due March twenty seventh through the thirty first. Can be delayed their loan repayments for up to one year. Um, unfortunately, the interest accrues no matter what. So there are some unique features to this that you might want to be able to do um, and move forward with. But you need to make sure. Again, I can't reiterate enough. Talk to your financial planner. Don't just go grab money out of a retirement account and even putting money back in for RMDs. Make sure you're doing it through the right process so that you're getting credit for the right things, but it could save you some tax dollars on how, you know, that's what this show is all about, trying to wake you up to other ideas that might actually be happening. All right, we're going to take a first break here. and we come back, we're going to get to a couple of the emails that have come through. Also going to talk about some capital gains Maybe what the president and Joe Biden might think about it, as well as, hey, this year you might not have the earnings, so you might want to think about 0% capital gain rates. Um, so there is some positives sometimes in these. So we're going to be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. Again, this year, uh, this year, this show is a little bit unique. If you want to reach us, all you have to do is email Friday at drfriday.com or text um, text 615-367-0819. Goodness, after 10 years, it's like changing my train of thought on how things are going and what we're going to be doing. Um, that's good. Change is always good to a point, at least. So um, I'm going to go ahead and jump on to one of them that just sent me something. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit. We were talking about PPP loans. Well, 
actually a natural progression to that would be uh, many people are also getting what's called an EIDL loan. That's the disaster loan given directly through the SBA. And I'm really proud of this person submitting because so often really small business owners or people that work as a 1099 individual um, don't think about them actually really kind of being self-employed, I guess. They just think, oh, I do this and I do it on the side a little bit. And so I, I don't know if I should apply, don't apply, whatever. Now, I will say that um, especially the EIDL loan is um, a little bit more credit-based so if you just have really bad credit or you have a situation where, you know, you, you don't have the ability to, and I, I'm thinking, cause I have some clients, I will tell you self-employed individuals, um, credit is a little bit harder sometimes because sometimes you've had to take some risk. You've had to make some decisions in building your businesses and it's not always been good or easy ones. And sometimes that affects the credit. Um, and so, but Many people, I am finding, many people are qualifying. And so an, uh, an EIDL loan is, first you want to go to sba.gov and you want to apply through that website. This is not applied through a bank, kind of like PPP was, um, even though it was never guaranteed under a bank, it was definitely something that was uh, processed through at least many of the banks. Here's what you want to kind of want to understand. Eligibility used for the loan payments for uh, dividends or bonuses may not be used. So like I was talking about PPP and unemployment, there are specific things we can use this money for. What the government is saying, hey, we're going to give these loans to help people make it through this very unique and tough time, but we don't want to see... I mean, I think my sister was telling me about an article about somebody went and brought a Ferrari with it or a Lamborghini or something. Um, you know, this is silly, right? This is supposed to be money. I don't care at 3.75 for most people, that's a very good rate. And I believe it's interest only and I'll, I'll get the exact details, but I know it's a 30 year uh, loan. So you have that going through. All right. So it cannot be used to pay dividends or bonuses, distributions to owners, partners, officers, directors, stockholders, except when directly related to performance of service, it cannot be paid. So you can't pay yourself back theoretically. So if the company has dividends or money that it owes you, they don't want to see the PPP money going that direction. Repayment of stockholders, principal or loans. Again, they don't want to see the money going from the business to the, to the stockholder or the investor. Expansion facilities or acquisition of fixed assets. They don't want you expanding, using this to make, which is quite a surprising in some ways because um, in some ways you might be able to create more jobs, right? And more jobs would mean better for the community in which you're living or whatever. So I am a little surprised. Repair, replace any physically damaged equipment. So again, they really don't want it used for any kind of, of repair of equipment. They don't want you using paying off or refinancing long-term debt. So you, um, you know, you have a debt that's at seven or 8% and you use this money and you pay it off. They don't want that paying down regular installment payments or paying off loans provided by owners or federal agencies, including the SBA or small business companies are not considered agencies. They don't want that payments to any part of a federal debt. No paying any penalties resulting in non-compliance of law, federal state, Etc. No contractors mal um, malpractice. No relocation. No. So those are the things they don't want. Um, you know, 
you to use the money. Now, what they're saying is need to use outside normal operations. Uh, extraordinary items can be included, temporary rent or storage, accelerated debt due to disaster, inventory replacement. Um, they're saying, remember, there are no double dipping in your AID and your PPP loan. In other words, you can't fund from both programs for the same purpose. So you can't use your EIDL to pay your employees because you just got paid for PPP to pay your employees. The same same situation as the uh, 1099 self-employed individuals where I was saying you can't have unemployment and PPP and expect them both to be the same. Uh, so you cannot double dip on those. Now, what is really cool about these loans is that you are able to borrow the money and, and you have 30 years to pay it back. It's 3.75%. Now, some people may have also got um, in the beginning, and I know they no longer have this, but in the beginning, there was also a maximum of $10,000 advance uh, EIDL loans. And those would be also forgivable um, if it applied to your situation, meaning you used it to help float the business rent or paying employees before PPP money came in. Uh, so it's it's uh, loans up to 2 million, 30 years, interest rates 3.75 for small businesses, 2.74 for nonprofits. First payment is 12 months from the date of the promissory note. Uh, if it's less than 200,000 can be approved with, with just a personal guarantee. Less than 25,000 is a non-secured collateral loans for 20, above 25,000. The SBA generally wants collateral. Uh, there is no prepayment fee. So that means that if somewhere down the line, let's hope the economy comes back and a lot of people are going to have to pay this back and maybe you were able to raise the money faster. No worries. You can pay this off anytime you want. Um, but again, it is uh, the loans over 25,000 usually require some sort of true tangible, you know, inventory equipment, et cetera, et cetera, or property. Um, it says you can use, uh, what can you use the loans for? Unlike PPP, which can only be used for payroll, business mortgage interest, and business rent and lease, business utilities, EID loans can be used for a wider range of business capital to um, help make it through this economic disaster continuing through. So fixed debts, um, payroll, counts payable. Some bills can be used uh, that were reoccurred. Um, what again, we already went through what we don't want is we basically just use some common sense. If you have an EIDL loan and you got it and you know you're going to start making payments a year from when you received it, I have some people that are going to have and start making payments earlier. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that. But if, you know, right now you're having a tough time, go for it. Um, that, uh, you know, it can be used for, um, Exactly. But anyways, it can be used for your car and covering some of your bills. If you are a um, Uber driver or a Lyft driver, and that is your piece of equipment, so it can be used to cover the car. But according to this, it can't be used to repair the car. So talk about crazy. So it can be used to put petrol in the car, cover the insurance, cover uh, any of the basic needs for that car, but it cannot put in uh, it, it basically is saying it can't be used for total uh, repairs. Um, and then we'll be able to go from there. But an insurance, don't forget, that's pretty expensive usually for most people. So um, it would be able to be used for all those things. So if you are a small business, it's still not too late. I believe we have, they're processing them until August 8th. Now, all the banks I was talking to wanted them in as of Friday. So if you haven't done 
uh, the SBA, oh no, this is the PPP, sorry. If you haven't done the PPP, it may be too late to process, but if I were you and you, you're saying, hey, you know what, I just heard about this, I didn't think I could do it, but maybe I should try, because what can it hurt? Um, again, if you get the PPP and if you have unemployment, one will just be a loan at 1%, but my suggestion is to do it today because it has to be processed and taken care of now. They're closing it off on the 8th, and that means that it has to be accepted by the SBA by the 8th, not started on the 8th with your bank. And, you know, they did extend, according to the phone call I was on yesterday with the SBA.gov, uh, they said they have plenty of money still out there. Um, and so if you haven't applied for the EIDL loan and you're a small business owner, it may be something to consider. Maybe you're not at the point yet where you really need the money. But think about this. We don't know what the next 12 months is going to bring. And we don't know if the money's going to be there when you really need to go out and borrow it. So my suggestion to most of my small business owners, we have 12 months to hold this money and then we can, if, if you don't use it during that time, you never need to touch it, then you can use it to pay back the government and, and all's good and paid a little bit of interest. But it's there in case of an emergency. Again, we don't know if a second time they're gonna come through, they're gonna try to shut down, are they gonna regulate us? Travel isn't picked up, so there's a large number of people in the industry where there's travel and things. It's not happening. I have people that are, you know, in the tourism business or the music industry, and they're not getting their businesses back yet. They are directly associated. And we know that there's the HERO Act. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the acts that are still out there that's going to be signed. Potentially one of the two or a merger of the two will actually happen here, I think, in the next few days. Um, and, and in all honesty, both of them pretty much allow for a second stimulus check um, if you qualify for those. Um, and then, um, you know, also the ability to possibly extend unemployment. I know many of you listening right now, unemployment is a concern, um, but we'll see what's going to come with all that. I think, I personally think it should go to a Pacific industry. I think it should be people that are in a true industry being affected, not just industries where, you know, it's, it, you know, I'm a little afraid to go into work. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say I'm a fan of that. I think, unless you have a true legitimate health reason or, um, or children at home, I get it. If your children aren't going to school now, uh, most of uh, my nieces and them that are in school, um, they either live here in, in the Murray County where schools are open, um, or, um, even in Georgia and a couple of the schools are open. Now I have one in North Carolina. It's going to be like one day a week. I mean, what, how can you possibly work when your child's in school only one day a week? I don't know. Um, that doesn't seem like a very logical concept, but you know what? That's outside uh, my my agreement here. We need to talk about taxes or money issues. That's more about what I'm going to be good at. So um, if you want to join the show, it's going to be a little unique this time, but you can email friday at drfriday.com. You can also text 615-367-0819, 615-367-0819. We're going to take our next break, and when we get back, we'll hit more of those. We'll talk a little bit about capital gains. We're going to talk about the HEROES Act or um, some of the other um, things that are out there so people might be able to start preparing and seeing what we might be expecting in the next few weeks. Um, we'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show.
questions. Again, we are here for you. Friday at drfriday.com is the email, Friday at drfriday.com, or just text 615-367-0819, taking your calls, talking about all exciting things. Um, and I really do. If you have questions, don't hesitate. If I don't always know the answers, trust me, I usually can find out um, you know, what's, what's happening and, uh, where we're going to go with some of these things. So let me talk a little bit about capital gains because, um, right now might be a time to think about some of that. Um, some people are making less money. Their income bracket is lower. So right now we have in 2020, a 0% capital gains for individuals that are single 40,000 married, uh, married is 80,000 and head of household is 53.6. So basically you can sell something right now. And if it's, if it's considered short term or I'm sorry, long-term capital gains, you would pay zero tax. So maybe you have a, a house or some stocks or something that had some capital gains in and you haven't wanted to sell it because Hey, I was going to, have to pay 15% tax or 20% or even 23.9%. Um, all those, but now in 2020, maybe something to consider um, because the next bracket, basically, if you're married, you go from 80,000, which is zero, and then you have 15% all the way up until um, a married couple hits, oh, what's, what is it, about 496 thousand and then you are going to go to 20% tax bracket for those. So, you know, anything between $80,001 and $496,6, you're going to basically be at 15%. Um, and that's great. I mean, gives you a little window there, but you know, lately it seems like I've had several people that have inherited properties in which there has been some sales that have kicked people into the higher tax bracket. So, um, a lot of people are like, oh man, if I had more than $400,000, well, you know, it does happen quite often to be quite honest. People inherit things. Their basis is, um, sometimes inherited, but the way people inherit sometimes is, you know, um, I inherited, but everyone wanted to hold on to it. So they held on to it until 10, 15 years later. Now it's commercial instead of being agricultural, the farm is now being brought for $4 million instead of, you know, the $400,000 they inherited it at. Um, and now you're in this other tax bracket. And so there are ways to work around some of that. But I will tell you, you might want to consider before the election if you have a situation with that, because Trump has actually been trying to find ways to, to lower capital gains, right? Biden basically suggests if you make more than a million dollars, we're going to tax you at 43.4%. Now, that would include your capital gains. So Again, you might not normally make this kind of money, but can you imagine if you sold something you've held on, you made an investment, and then having to pay almost 44% tax on it? I mean, that would have eliminated most of uh, your profits, a big chunk of it. I'm not too sure why the government needs almost 50% of your capital gains, but that's a different conversation. So, you know, right now is something you might want to consider um, when you're at the voting tables as well as you know, what you're thinking about right now when it comes to all these different situations and making sure that you're, you're making all the right moves. So if you've got questions, again, capital gain rates, 
There are some windows of, of maneuvering there, especially right now if people have maybe some stocks or something they want to sell. Stock market's been doing pretty good, actually. Um, I've had a few people that have been doing a little bit of what I call short-term sales, so that doesn't apply because that's considered ordinary income. But if you hold on to it for more than a year and one day, that is long-term. That's the ideal from the tax standpoint. Not saying it's always the best thing to do, but it's still ideal for what you want to do and what you how how you want to make it work as far as being able to uh, work your taxes out. Okay, so it says uh, when I come into the car repairs, still running but stalled out. Had a little nervous to drive it and wanted to use. Okay, um, so back to the EIDL loans. If you are, um, let's just use this because I know I probably do about. 20 or 30 people that are either Uber drivers or Lyft drivers. So, um, you know, you guys, maybe you got a EIDL loan. If you did, I was saying that, you, so you can use it. On my opinion, here's my opinion. I would get a, a second and I'll probably send this directly to you. But um, my opinion is if it's used to maintain your business, your business is your car. So I wouldn't suggest go out and necessarily buy a new car with the EIDL loan, but I would say maintenance on that car. So if you've got, new new brakes, engines, whatever. I would do repairs, insurance, tires, uh, oil changes, whatever it takes to keep that car running. Because if that car is not reliable, you can't do your job. So EIDLO would be used to make sure that car is reliable to go do what you want and when it's being done. But um, it, you cannot use that money for personal medical reasons. You can't use that money to pay your personal rent, uh, even though the car is parked outside the home. Um, you can't use that money uh, to, to help you under those circumstances. Now, you know, in theory, um, you know, if you, you know, if you have profits, you use the money from you're driving and you use the EIDL to pay the gas and the insurance and everything, and you have profits because you didn't have to use that money to pay for those things, that profit could then be used to pay for your own personal care. So if you go out and you drive and you make $100 tonight and you use your EIDL loan to support the car, then you would have $100 in your pocket to go pay your medical. So, you know, keep in mind there there may be a way of, of using it, but I would never take the money directly out of the bank and use it directly paid to, you know, my doctor or my dentist or my chiropractor because paying off medical bills um, would be a question. Now, I did have a situation where someone called me the other day and he does roadside services and um, uh, kind of a freaky thing happened where apparently a car accident happened right next to where he was repairing a car and a tire flew off one of the cars and hit him. He ended up with medical bills. And under that circumstance, we're thinking since it is going to be something that can be paid back, he may need to use because he doesn't have access to um, medical insurance at this point. So he is, um, you know, having to go to the doctor, obviously end up at the hospital. So um, we're going to see what we can do on that. But that seems like it's tied directly to the job. He was doing his job at the time of being hit by a rogue tire. Um, anyways, you never know what's going to happen in life. So I would say you definitely want to consider doing that. Um, PPP money can be used for health insurance, EIDL number uh, money, to my knowledge, was not set aside for health insurance or anything like that. Um, but uh, you might have, and I don't know if you applied for it, but PPP money would have been available for you as well, unless you collected unemployment 
for the time period that you weren't able to um, possibly drive due to the COVID situation. But uh, there is the PPP if you apply for that, which you'd have to do it like today. Um, I think if it's even open still, then you're going to want to make sure um, that would that would work for your health insurance as well as your um, loss of wages if you didn't get anything for loss of wages because EIDL is not for loss of wages. You can use it to pay people, but that wasn't really what the money's used for. It's more to maintain your car, put you know, get you keep you working um, while you're out there, and that's payable. PPP is forgivable to do your repay, so you might want to consider that. All right, let's see here. So um, um, you have to pay yourself to come normal costs of rent utility. That's for PPP. That um, so you know also her portions had to be used. That's for the PPP loan, not for the EIDL. So I think you got an EIDL loan, and people are probably like, "Why are you talking to me like this?" Um, sorry, someone's you know. What can I say? So if you have a PPP loan, to clarify, PPP was solely used personal payroll protection. It's used to pay pay your payroll, pay your rent and utilities, pay your health insurance. Um, that is all that money was used for. It's not supposed to be used for anything other than that. And then you have an EIDL loan, which is the one, and PPP was given to you for, it started out at 24 months at 1%. Now I believe it's five years at 1%, but it's a 1% loan. EIDL is a loan at 3.75. Again, on the PPP, it could be all forgiven where you do not have to pay that one back at all. EIDL will definitely be paid back over 30 years or faster, depending on your situation. So there are two loans out there along with unemployment uh, that many people could have gotten their hands or multiple uh, ways of doing that. Uh, but that's the different directions you might want to look at. And if you are a small individual with just the 1099, maybe you have a small Schedule C and you only make, I don't know, six, $7,000 a year, you qualify for these loans, you qualify for PPP, you qualify for EIDL. So you might want to look into those, especially if right now you're having a difficult time because, you know, maybe the, I mean, again, if you're an Uber or a Lyft driver, maybe the cars aren't out there. The, the airport isn't producing the same number of people. We don't have the tourism that we usually have. Therefore, you're not making the money that you were kind of used to making and it's because of COVID that you're not making it, not because you're not trying. So that's where these loans are coming into play and it's something that you might want to consider uh, looking into. Now again, PPP I think has pretty much closed now and if it didn't finish on Friday, it's definitely probably gonna be finished on Monday because they have to have them all approved by August 8th. That's the end date for SBA to approve PPP. So that will be where you're at and what you got going. So um, if you want to uh, make sure that you have the situation or information on all that, you can also email Friday at drfriday.com. That's Friday at drfriday.com. And you can get your questions asked. I have another one here real quick. This is my son. Uh, is 59 and a half, has an existing 401k, um, if, uh, initiated in 2000 and has lost his job. Normally he would be required to pay back the loan for 60 days or count the remaining loan balance as early distribution. Is there any provision in the CARES Act to allow him to count the required amount to be paid back as a CARES Act withdrawal, not as an early distribution 
penalty. My understanding, uh, Joe, is hopefully you're still listening and I will try to respond. I don't know if I should talk and type at the same time. That could be kind of scary. But my understanding to that will be is because he lost his job during the COVID situation, I'm assuming it was during the months of the COVID, um, he will not be hit with the penalty uh, for uh, the early withdrawal. He will still get hit with the taxes. Um, I would even do some research if I was him to find out if he can spread the tax bill over the two years versus, um, you know, paying it all this year because it'll look like he made more money than he did because a, a 401k loan, um, he got years ago, right? He initiated back in 2018. So, uh, again, he should not have to have the 10% penalty. He has, uh, extenuating circumstances. I believe there's a, an exclusion for that. Uh, but I would see if there's any way of him spreading the tax bill to give him a breathing room instead of having to worry about, um, you know, paying it all now, the pressure of doing that on top of everything else happening right now, especially with the loss of a job. I really hope that he's able to get a, a better job. Uh, at the end of the show, Joe, uh, if you're listening, I will try to send you a link on that so that he might have some place to start to see where he needs to look at doing anything on that. So just making sure that we have the same numbers and the same situation. All right, so I think we're at the break. So why don't we take our last break? And if you want to text or email, you can. You can text 615-367-0819 or email friday at drfriday.com. We will get to your calls or your texts, whatever you want to call these things. When I get back, we'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. Texting 615-367-0819, 615-367-0819. You can also email Friday at drfriday.com, whichever is easier for you. And I realize driving, that makes it a little bit more challenging. But, hey, we're all living on the edge a little bit right now anyways. Okay, so we have covered our capital gains. We've talked about the 401K. we got the EIDL and the PPP pretty much in control. Um so uh, many people, obviously, when we are filing our EIDLs, one of the other things that you really have to have, or even the PPP, is your Schedule C. So I'm going to suggest that you need to um, make sure that, uh, you, you, you know, now's the time to start thinking about tax filings, right? I mean, I know many people, July 15th, we filed extensions. We have until October 15th for individuals, September 15th for corporations and, and, and other entities. But that's going to be here before you know it, guys. It is the 1st of August. We have something like, I don't know, 45 days before we have to start filing corporate returns again. So time flies when you're having fun. Now is the time to kind of get in on the whole situation. And that way then we would be able to get you filed. Time to review them. Make sure that we're all on the same page. And then we'd be able to do something exciting versus, um, versus just winging it and saying, oh, last minute, here you go. 
I don't like doing taxes that way. I won't say there are times that we have to rush to get something finished, but it's obviously now's the time. Let's get you caught up also. If you haven't filed taxes in a number of years, many of you left money on the table, not just the fact that you owe money, but let's be honest, you probably qualified for the $1,200 or even more than that if you were married with children um, and you didn't get the money. Because you didn't file 2018, you didn't file 2019. If you did just file 2019, the um, IRS is saying that it's going to be a matter of, of time before that actually comes out. I mean, meaning people aren't going to just be able to rush out and get it taken care of. It's going to take them a while to process your form and to get things done. I will say that I... Um, I just got a, a text today from one of my clients because we do a lot of offer and compromises. We deal with those issues all the time. And in his case, we had an acceptance letter, but we sent it back in March uh, during the closing time. And he was getting very concerned that they weren't going to accept his offer. Um, and it took a lot longer. Normally it only took like, normally takes 30, 60, 90 days. And obviously we sent it in March and it's now August 1st. So anyways, long story short, this gentleman texted me um, actually this morning and apparently went to the mailbox and voila, they had received it and they accepted it. So he was very excited. It's always a nice thing to have um, an acceptance situation, but we do want to make sure that you have uh, all your paperwork in line. Now may be a good time to consider looking and doing things with uh, the IRS, getting yourself put into the right situation, making sure that you have, um, you know, all of your ducks in a row, which means paying yourself current. So if you're self-employed, making quarterly payments, filing all your back taxes, you don't want to make a deal with the government for old taxes and then have a big tax bill still due. You want to make sure everything is paid. You want to make sure you're doing quarterlies. I can't tell you how many times I have, uh, been told by individuals that they, uh, you know, they, oh, I've got everything in control. And then I go and pull their transcripts and they don't have everything in control. People, you don't have your taxes caught up. You are not in control. You need to be able to file your taxes, know how much money you owe, get your transcripts. You also would have been able to get your $1,200. And there's probably going to be another one of those based on everything from the HEROES Act that I'm reading. It's going to probably have a second distribution for money. It's going to be there. I don't know how much, depending on which one you're reading and who you're reading it with. It is going to be some somewhere. And then, of course, you have the ability to, you know, get those funds. And those cannot be applied to your back taxes. So, you know, again, three days ago, um, there's also the HEALS Act. So you have the Harrow's Act and the HEALS Act. Um, not too sure... Uh, why we have to have two, because we have Republicans and Democrats, I know. Uh, but, you know, we just need people to be on the same page. It'd be nice to be able to get the information um, and, and do it. But um, the HEALS Act, of course, is looking at a $1,200, another one up for $75,024 for couples and $150 plus $500 for each dependent, which is pretty close to the exact same thing that was actually done with the CARES Act. The HEROES Act is, is looking at tweaking that slightly, uh, a little bit more money for 12. Oh, they're looking for $1,200 for the dependents instead of 500. So I'm a guess that the Heroes Act is the Democratic bill and the Heels Act is the Republican bill. Uh, unemployment insurance uh, under the Heroes wants to keep the 600 all the way through December of 2020. The Heels Act wants to reduce it 
to 200 per a week through September um, and let the 600 expire. And then it would start again at another $200 um, for workers that are 70% or, or less um, employed. So um, it's going to be an interesting race. It would be nice to have some closure. I do realize that many people are listening may actually have some, um, some, you know, some need obviously for the unemployment, uh, especially people. We had uh, a show on uh, News Channel Five, and, and the gentleman called. You know, he's a culinary cook, and obviously at that point they had laid him off. He works in the um, re- uh, bars and restaurant area, and they didn't have him open. So it's going to be an interesting uh, situation. There's a, a both of them are trying to come up with some sort of work child care grants uh, for child care facilities hazard pays, uh, housing for extension for federal eviction. Um, Obviously, it expires. um, I believe it expired yesterday, so eviction notices are able to be issued and taken care of. Uh, I know there's probably a mixed feeling on that one, but, um, you know, if you own a house and someone's living there without paying rent, doesn't seem like a very good or fair situation. Um, But on the other hand, if you've gotten money from the government to exceed you know, to, to cover that money, then there's nothing for you to worry about. So, you know, it just comes down to, um, banks cannot, uh, you know, cannot evict people, um, and neither can individuals. So I do believe that canceled on, uh, October, th- uh, sorry, July 31st. So that is now right this second that is available. And it's also going to be interesting because the heels act is basically trying to put some limitations on lawsuits. I know there's a bunch of lawsuits out there right now where people are suing employers for people getting sick. And I always wondered if they also sued employers when people came home with the flu or came home with, you know, other diseases, head lice, whatever it might have been. Um, if employers were sued under those same circumstances or if it's something, if this is a new way for people to, to see things. So it's going to be interesting. But under Heels Act, they're not going to be able to basically sue uh, for five years, and and they're going to have to have true justification that the employer didn't do their best to uh, provide care to the best of the employer's ability. Um, the Heroes Act does not address that. Um, in fact, they pretty much leave it open. So that's going to be another interesting. Um, we're going to see who's going to.